This is episode 188 of IDRA Class Notes. The board has been very clear that all means all, right? And that if we're serious about equity, then we're serious about access to the highest quality of whatever it is we have to offer. We believe that every child can achieve at these high levels, every child. And so if we're serious, then we're going to have policy that says that if AP is the best we got, then it's for all, it's open enrollment. Where there is a desire and an interest, there is access. Welcome to the IDRA Class Notes podcast. I am Dr. Nilke Aviles, Senior Education Associate and Director and Co-Director of IDRA Leadership Projects, funded by the U.S. Department of Education. I am here with Mr. Roland Toscano, Superintendent of East Central ISD, to talk about the challenges and successes the district has had in keeping students in school and ensuring that when they leave as seniors, they are ready to continue their post-secondary education. Mr. Toscano, it seems like in the past the district has experienced some challenges that led to a drop in the attendance rates an increase in truancy rates, and a decrease in a student academic achievement. Can you share with us the challenges the district experienced and what action steps were taken by your leadership team to overcome these issues? Yeah, and, and thank you for, for the question and for giving me the opportunity to have a conversation with you today about this topic. As we attempted to kind of track kids' progress and noticed that kids, some kids in particular, were not thriving specifically because they had inconsistent school attendance. We got better at identifying who those kids are. What we didn't initially do well was respond. And what I mean by that is we had a deficit approach, a little bit more of a punitive approach. We figured that it was because of neglectful parenting or a lack of responsibility. And we were very, I would say, traditional in our approach in that way. And we figured out really quickly that at the very least, uh, we compounded the problem. Several years ago, we shifted uh, our orientation to more of an asset-based approach where our intent was really to figure out what were the barriers, what was the root cause or causes, if you will, um, that were preventing the child and their family from engaging in their education. In doing so, we were able to partner with the municipal court system here in the city and take a more education-based approach to also help families understand what resources were available, what things were at risk, and how we could all work together to ensure that we could connect children and their families with the support that they may need, and that we were capable of not only delivering or connecting kids and families to those services, but we had the ability to monitor the impact Mm -hmm. and continue to respond or adjust along the way so that those barriers were removed and kids were in school and thriving. That's great. So how did you involve your cabinet and school leaders in supporting those efforts? From a system perspective, we really had to look in a mirror and evaluate the degree to which we had allocated the appropriate time, people, and money. Mm -hmm. Uh, If we were serious about being able to respond once we identified foundational needs, uh, then we had to put people in teams around that, in the right people, with the right skills and the right access to resources in the system and beyond. And we had to put structures in place so that on a routine basis, we were convening to take a close look and a deep dive at each individual student situation case by case, and then 
deploy staff and deploy resources to ensure that, again, the kids and families had what they need to address those causes of why they were not engaged in school. And so at the cabinet level, that's an ongoing conversation. What's working well? What's not? What do we need to uh, reconsider? Uh, because we're, we're striving like everybody for all kids to be connected and all kids to complete and all kids to earn their credentials and all kids to have a plan and move on and execute that plan when they leave us. And so we haven't hit all yet. So the conversation at the cabinet level, certainly at the board level, is ongoing. It's great that you have that approach that looking at yourself right, as a system and how to you can deliver better uh, resources, support systems to address that, the root causes that we were talking about. So how willing is the community now in adopting and promoting the district efforts? You know, we talk about the community, the parents. What is their willingness to do that? The question makes me think about a couple of things I think I want to talk about here. And, and the first is with regard to families whose children are struggling. They're not used to being approached by a school system that says we want to partner with you. They're used to being approached by a school system that wants to punish, criminalize, in their view, judge Mm -hmm. the quality of parenting, etc. And so at first they're kind of resistant and wondering, where's the catch? (laughs) But when they figure out that we are partnering and figuring out what it is that you and your family need so that we can leverage resources within our system or in our community to get you what you need, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. and we're not going away. Because at the end of the day, we want the same thing. We want your child to thrive. We want your child to, you know, have a plan from the time they engage with us to the time they leave and that they're capable of executing that. And so very receptive. In fact, years later, we're being contacted by families or reaching out as opposed to trying to hide and not get caught. As far as the community, we've really worked hard in recent years to ensure that we are tightly coupled with the community's values and interests, hopes and dreams for their children's experiences and subsequent outcomes in our school system. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we have realized that the first thing we have to know for sure is what is it that they want for their kids? And so we worked for the better part of a year to determine what a profile of a graduate would look like. What are the attributes that children, all children, would exemplify by the time they, they left us so that we could then use that and determine what kind of programming, what kind of experiences, what kind of curriculum, what kind of support systems mm-hmm. should we embed if we're going to realize that. The next level of that work was to operationalize that, creating an accountability system that was driven, it was not only driven, but essentially created and deployed by the community. And so we're in the second year of that implementation. We have three pillars, if you will, adopted by the board. And essentially, it's not really what do we want to measure. It's asking the community, what do you want us to accomplish? And really looking at all aspects of schooling and getting clear about what students, staff, parents, business partners, higher ed, taxpaying citizens, Mm -hmm. what do they want us to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And then... Based on what they want us to accomplish, how would we know the degree to which we are? Mm -hmm. And then using that evidence to determine findings of the degree to which we are currently accomplishing X, Y, or Z. And then present those publicly through the Board of Trustees to determine where our next high priority goals 
are. And then using that to make really significant decisions about allocation of resources, programming, staffing, experiences created for kids, etc. In that regard, the community has really engaged in the work we're doing and feel like it's really their school system Mm -hmm. and that our posture is, you know, we're privileged to be in the positions we are to serve the educational interest of your community. What is it that you want from us so we can deliver? Not what is it can you do for for us? That is is exceptional. I mean, you don't see this very often in the realities of the practices that occur in, in school districts because a lot of times it's in theory but really doesn't come to practice. And here you can see that theory and practice go together. And going back to the board, are there any policies that they have in place to, to make sure that this, this new ideas and this new programming that you have for implementation is going to be sustained? A few things that the board has been very clear on. The board has been very clear that all means all, right? And that if we're serious about equity, then we're serious about access to the highest quality of whatever it is we have to offer. And if we're serious about equity, then we're serious about expectations, right? Like we're serious in that we believe Mm -hmm. that every child can achieve at these high levels, every child. Mm -hmm. And so if we're serious, then we're going to have policy that says that if AP is the best we got, then it's for all. It's open enrollment. There's no contracts. There's no dismissals and requirements and the Mm -hmm. same thing goes for gifted and talented programming and where there is a desire and an interest there is access so over time we've begun to minimize the differentiation of our curriculum and ensure that uh, the highest quality curriculum is the standard for all kids and it is up to us to create the conditions where we can meet kids where they're at and build them up i would also say from a not so much a policy standpoint but in order to realize that we had to get serious about you know, really taking a deep look at our curriculum. And so three years ago, we conducted a curriculum audit. Two years ago, we implemented a curriculum management plan. Last year, we partnered with UTIPC to write critical content and proficiency scales. And so now we feel like for the first time, we have a guaranteed viable, high quality curriculum for all kids. And again, at the board level is where that, that work was born. That's great. So now you have a great curriculum. You talk about support systems, and I think you said those support systems are genuine. It's not just on paper, but it's really making a big difference and it having an impact on, on, on students, and that is exceptional. You have developed a graduate profile, and actually I saw that in the Internet with all the things that, uh, that you discussed there, you know, students as problem solvers, uh, being creative, lifelong learners, technologically competent, positive with strong work ethic, resilient, greedy, goal-oriented, intrinsically motivated, calculated risk-takers, and post-secondary ready. And along with that, there's actually a description of that. And this is what you want your graduates to be like, look like, and it's the easy way. I Mm. remember that. In communicating that to students and parents, I know that I'm sure that they have taken this as a very positive way because this is the outcome that you want. So... What words of wisdom would you like to share with others, especially with new uh, superintendents in the area, that perhaps maybe the work that you're doing can actually be emulated by, by them? I can see this as a model 
district when it comes to everything that we're talking about today. So what words of wisdom would you be able to, to give others? I would say that, that this work with the profile of a graduate community-based accountability system was really born from a, from a tension. Right? It was a tension between what, what parents wanted for their children and what children's experiences in school were like and what we're accountable for in terms of state accountability. Mm-hmm. And that tension exists for all of us because we, we know what parents want, we know what kids prefer, we feel like we know what our kids need and what would be right by kids in terms of education, and we feel pressure to really focus on state assessment and really use that data to, make, to drive the biggest decisions we make about our programming. And I would say that it's okay to ask your community. Our community said, listen, we don't disrespect state accountability. In fact, we really want our school system to be accountable, but we don't want it to be accountable to the state for high and rising test scores. We want our school system to be accountable to our community of taxpayers and parents and children and employees for its hopes and dreams for what it is we want to accomplish. And so that being the case, we needed to know what it is you aspire for your children in terms of outcomes. And how are we gonna measure that community-based accountability? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that state accountability isn't a piece of that, but I can tell you that it's not very much more than a small piece. And so um, while there is a sense of urgency around continuous improvement at all levels of this organization and community, it is not overly emphasized with state accountability. A through F, anything TEA that has an orientation towards state accountability and A through F and all of the drivers of achievement, if you will, alone. It is really born, accountability for us is really born through, again, what our community expects. And our metrics then subsequently reflect that. Our biggest decisions, our allocation of people, time, and money are all driven by in addition to state accountability, a wider range, a complete accounting of, if you will, of the degree to which we're, we're hitting the mark for the community. And so I would say that that work is replicable. That work is the right work. It's so much more meaningful. It's so much more informative. If you're tightly coupled to your community, you can't go wrong. I would say that you really have to have a disciplined way to look at all of the information available to you to determine where your highest priority opportunities are, and then align your resources to achieving that, to impacting that, monitoring that, leading for that, uh, coaching that, training staff to achieve that. And, you know, where you'll meet resistance from time to time from maybe real estate agents, maybe those that don't believe in whether or not public schools are failing or not, just know that you're doing the right thing if your community is engaged, if it's informed by the community, and, and if it's a little different than what the state says is good. If the community says it's good, it's good. If children say it's good, it's even better. Well, thank you so much for, for your time. I really commend you for all the work you're doing, and obviously there is great relationships. You have formed with not only the community, but your staff as well. And the most important thing is that you are producing a product that you are, you know, uh, proud of. And this is the children, that you're giving it all you got to make sure that they are successful in life. Thank Absolutely. You.
thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.